Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Prince of Peace, reveal yourself to us today. We need peace in our lives, our home, our families, our church, and our whole world. Help us to slow down and seek out the peace you provide so we may become peacemakers for ourselves and others. In your name, Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Again, let's just open up our time with a word of prayer. Um, God, would you be with us today? Would uh, we just be open to hearing your word? Um, and would you bring us peace this season? Thank you for sending Jesus uh, to us in peace and that we can um, just reflect on, on your goodness and um, help us have a, a better understanding of your word today. And just uh, delight in what you've done for us. We love you. Praise in your name. Amen. John Lennon was known very much for his songs and his activism for peace. Uh, ironically, I read an article this week and it was titled this. It was titled, John Lennon Fights with a Reporter Over Peace. That's the name of the, the article. Uh, I read it in, the, in it. There's a, a five-minute video of this interaction that he has with, with him and this reporter. Uh, the interaction was not very peaceful. Uh, the, the conversation revolves around a disagreement about what the best way to achieve peace is. And so the, the conversation, it starts rather tense. And, and quickly, both the reporter and Lennon begin calling one another names. And the video ends as the reporter storms out of the room, claiming this is a complete waste of her time. I would say peace was not achieved during that meeting. What do you think of when you think of peace? Maybe you associate peace with the absence of war. Maybe you associate it with being at peace uh, with an internal side of yourself, having peace within. Today we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about peace. The main thing I want us to see from our text is that Jesus came so that we could have peace with God. Jesus came so that we could have peace with God. What I want us to do to begin is to take a look at this concept of peace from the Old Testament. So um, that word peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. Right? We've probably heard that before. Uh, the concept of shalom, though, it means more than, than what we probably think of peace. The word shalom is is. Uh, is more than just the absence of war. It also refers to the presence of something. It refers to making something complete. That's really what shalom comes down to. It's not uh, just the absence of war, but the fullness or the completeness of the way things were intended. So I'm going to give us a few examples to begin here. First Kings chapter 9, uh, verse 25 says this. Three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with it uh, before the Lord. 
And then it says, so he finished the house. Or if you were reading it in the Hebrew, it, it, it would say, so he shalomed the house. So the picture here is that shalom is expressed in the completion of the temple. As he finishes building the temple, he shaloms it. So there's completion there. In Exodus, there is instruction for if you have been wronged by someone, if someone steals from you, they are to completely restore what they have taken. It says you are to, they are to shalom to you what was taken. So when someone has intentionally harmed you, to restore peace, they shalom or completely restore what was stolen. When I was a kid, uh, I remember a story that my mom told me. Um, so we were at the, the dinner table, all of us uh, kids were at the dinner table, and she said, I want to tell you about something that dad did today. I kind of set this ominous mood, right? It's like we're having a serious conversation right now. Dad did something today. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so, so what she said was this. She said, so when dad was a kid, he went to a store and he walked in and he stole a candy bar. It wasn't anything egregious that he did, right? But he stole something from someone. And it doesn't really matter how big it was. It was wrong. We don't steal in this family, right? This is what she said. She said, today, dad went back to that store and he repaid them for the current price of that candy bar. And that seems like such a, a little thing to do. And I don't know why, but that's something that has always stuck with me about my dad. But that is what shalom is. Right? It is completely restoring to others what has been broken, no matter how little or how big of a thing it is. Another example from the Old Testament. Again, if, if in Exodus, if your ox was loose, if your ox, you had an ox in it and it got loose, um, and it went into someone's field and it caused uh, damage, then you are to shalom them or make complete what has been damaged. So you fully restore, again, the, the damage that the ox had done. So either way, whether it was intentional or unintentional, shalom is to completely restore what has been broken. This applies to relationships as well. If a relationship is broken, Scripture says to shalom that person, to completely restore the relationship. And so this is the idea of shalom, not just the absence of conflict, but the, the presence of complete restoration. So understanding this is helpful to see what the Bible means when it talks about peace. One more example I wanted to share with you. Go with me to Leviticus. Probably we didn't think we were going to hear from Leviticus today, did you? Um, but we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 3. In the Bible, uh, or sorry, yeah, in the Bible there's a book of Leviticus. Leviticus uh, has a, a whole bunch of different laws that the Israelites were commanded to follow. Right? There's a whole list of, of these things that the Israelites were supposed to do. At the beginning of Leviticus, uh, there are instructions for sacrifices. Now, there are a few different types of sacrifices. We're not going to get into each type of one. Each, each one of these sacrifices was for a different reason. In Leviticus 3, it describes a type of sacrifice called peace offerings. All right, So peace offerings were offerings that you could give at any time. Peace offerings, they're not something that was required of you, but you did them out of a sense of gratitude towards God. So if you wanted to express uh, gratitude to God, you would take an animal 
and you would take some grain and you would bring them to the temple to sacrifice. Not unlike most sacrifices, that's kind of how uh, most sacrifices worked in uh, the, the Jewish literature. One, one of the interesting things about peace offerings, though, was that they were the only sacrifice that you got to eat a part of as well. All other sacrifices, uh, they were either burnt up completely or some of it was given to the priests. With a peace offering, the giver also gets to eat some of the meat that is offered. That's something that is unique to, to peace offerings here. And so what you do with that meat is you would take it home and essentially you would have a feast, right? Uh, scripture says that what you would do too is you would invite the Levite, the widow, the orphan, and your family, and you would have this big party together with the meat that you just sacrificed. Okay, so what's going on here? One person's abundance becomes the fullness for those in need. Those who didn't have, the Levite, the widow, the orphan, they were invited in to celebrate uh, the, the, to, to, with this feast, with those who God had provided for. Again, there is this picture of completeness. No one lacks. Justice is restored. And people both rich and poor are delighting in the provision of God together. And so this is another picture of peace. This is why it is called a peace offering, because there is a completeness to the situation. Those who have are providing for those who do not. There is no lack and there is unity within the relationships. What I want to point out for us, though, is that this concept of peace is radically different than how we most likely live, right? I'll give you uh, an example of myself. So the other day I went to the grocery store to pick up uh, groceries. How it usually works in my household, at, at least at the moment, is that Melissa will order the, the groceries online and then I go in person to pick them up. So I'm at the store. Um, I went with my sister and the store worker loads up my cart and we leave. And uh, the funny thing is, at the time, as, as they were loading up the cart, my sister says, did you order two turkeys? And I said, I have no idea. I'm just, I just pick up the food and I bring it back to our house, right? That's my role in all this, right? Um, Melissa's the one who, who orders it. And so we get home and Melissa says to me, she says, did you go into the store and buy another turkey? And I said, nope, I just picked up what you ordered. Um, it turns out we had not ordered two turkeys. Um, but they had given us a box that had belonged to someone else. My natural response in that was this. I said, I guess we're having two turkeys this year. <laughs> right? Their mistake, my benefit. I don't know if you've, you've ever played the game Monopoly. In the Monopoly, there's a card, and it says, bank error in your favor. And it's like, you get to basically benefit from someone else's mistake. That's my thinking in this. Um, the thing about that is, that is not shalom. That is not peace. It is not justice. It is selfishness. And so Melissa ended up going back to the store and she gave back the extra food. She completely restored to them what was missing. And so she shalomed them, right? The thing is, I suspect that I'm not the only one like that here. We all have, have ten tendencies to be selfish instead of seeking peace. When someone has hurt us, we don't seek shalom or restoration. We find ways to move on. We find new friends. 
We avoid our church family if they've hurt us. We avoid conflict in order to see peace in our lives when really what we should be doing is trying to restore shalom and work together for good. Again, peace is not just the absence of conflict. It is the restoration of things the way God intended. And we need to see that we are not naturally bent towards seeking true peace in our lives. Throughout scripture, though, it's really no different. God's people fail over and over to live peacefully together. We see this in the book of Isaiah. I want us to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at some passages from Isaiah here. So the, the book of Isaiah describes as God's people rebel against their maker. They wage war against God by their actions. What we see is the rebellion of Israel and how Isaiah likens it to war against God. I'm going to look at a few passages here. Isaiah 1-2, God says, Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. So we see that Israel has not been living as God intended, and their sin is described as rebelling against God. Uh, Isaiah goes on and talks about how their sin has caused them to be bruised. It leaves them wounded, kind of like as if they had been in battle. Verse 7 and 8, it describes Israel as a besieged city that has been torched with fire. So the idea that Isaiah is presenting is that their sin is like they are in a spiritual battle against God, one that's causing them to be broken. They have, broken, they have a broken relationship with God, and they are not at peace with him. There is no shalom. And so Israel's relationship with God needs to be completely restored. We see that God gives them chances to repent. Then he goes on to say, he says, if they refuse to, he's going to give them over to the nations. In chapter 1, verse 19, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Then it says, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. Again, this, this uh, language of war. What we see uh, are as uh, other nations around them come and attack Israel. And so God says, if you continue to wage war with me, if you do not repent, I will give you over to war with the surrounding nations. The nations around you will wage war with you. And so what we're seeing here is at the same time that Israel is in a state of brokenness with God, they are also in a state of brokenness with the surrounding nations. Between their sin and the consequences of their sin, they are at war. There is no shalom. Things need to be completely restored. And so there is a longing for peace. There's a longing for restoration. Not just the absence of war, but the presence of completion the way God has intended. What we also see in Isaiah are glimpses of hope that God will provide peace. I want to read for us from Isaiah 2. It says in verse 4, it says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. This is speaking about God. It says, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. There's a few pictures here that I want us to see. One, 
There's a picture. The, the, the picture is a glimpse of hope where God rules. And when God rules, he will be deciding disputes. He will be the final arbiter, the judge. God's way will be how the world operates. Well, how, how does God rule according to Isaiah? Well, where God rules, there is an absence of war. We see that. There's an absence of war. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. They shall not even learn about war anymore. There will be no need. But not only is it an absence of war, the picture of peace that God has in mind is the restoration of the nations working together for good. That's what I want us to see here. Picture of peace that God has in mind is the restoration of the nations working together for good. This is what God has intended. What are plowshares and pruning hooks? They're instruments for harvesting food. And so the picture of shalom here is that God will one day be the ruler and that the nation that he rules will have no need for weapons. There is no need for swords and spears anymore. And so they take these weapons that they no longer are using to fight against one another and they turn them into tools that they can use to work together. I wonder if this is how God rules in your life today. Because he can. Put aside actual weapons for the moment. How would you use something like our words? Do we use our words to attack others? Or do we use them to build others up? Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do we, see just, do we seek justice like we see in the picture of peace offerings where those with less are invited to eat with those who feast? Is your life characterized by justice for your brothers and sisters? If we're being honest, many times we look more like Israel than this picture of shalom. We are the ones who don't live as God intended. We wage war with one another. We are selfish. We abandon justice. We neglect those in need. We draw lines between rich and poor, old and young, between political lines. And at best, we just avoid those who are not like us. And that is not shalom. But rather, it, it puts us at odds with God. And so we do not deserve peace we deserve God to give us over to conflict and the destruction that it causes. And yet, Isaiah gives us another glimpse of hope for peace with God. Isaiah 9:6. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the, uh, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. It says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Isaiah describes one who is going to come to bring peace. He's going to come as a child. He's going to come to rule, and his rule will be one of peace. He will be called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. And he will rule with justice and righteousness, and he will rule forever. And what we see is that this is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus came as a child. He came as God. 
as we've been reading through Matthew recently, he came to establish his kingdom, and that kingdom would be a kingdom of peace. It would be an everlasting kingdom where King Jesus will rule forever. And so while we did not deserve it, Jesus came so that we could have peace with God. In Luke 2, the angels appear to the shepherds in the field announcing the arrival of Jesus. And what do they say? Say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then it says this. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus humbly entered the world, arriving with the announcement of peace. Jesus lived a life of peace, providing justice and care for those in need. At the Passover festival that we've just been reading about in Matthew, Jesus rides in on a donkey, a symbol of peace. Jesus came in peace to those who rejected him. And after he was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. And, and it's very interesting here what we see he says to them. Three times he says this. Peace be to you. Peace be to you. Peace be to you. And just like with a peace offering, at the end of time, he will sit down with the spiritually poor, the spiritually hungry, those who are in spiritual need at a feast where Jesus will rule with righteousness and justice forever. The message of Jesus from birth to death and forever is that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. Jesus came so that we could have peace with God. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas time. We celebrate that the Prince of Peace came to us. He came to restore peace between sinners and God. So let me just suggest, as we celebrate this season, we do so with that in mind. How, we, how can we have shalom in mind this season? Seek reconciliation with a coworker or a family member who you're at odds with. Work together with your spouse who's wronged you. Turn your figurative weapons into tools that harvest spiritual fruit. Speak life to people to build them up. As you spend your money on your turkey and ham and potatoes and stuffing and whatever you're eating, maybe treat this as a peace offering, a celebration of gratitude to God for what he has given. Praise him for what he's provided for you and eat with those in need. Create shalom by being people of justice. This is a picture of peace because this is the picture of what the Prince of Peace did for us. Jesus Christ came to restore undeserving sinners to a good and loving God. That is what true shalom is. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, then you are at peace with God today. As we wrap up, I'm going to read a, a quote I read this week. It says this, says, no peace compares with gospel peace. Even if there were no wars in the world, no fights in our families, no hostilities in our hearts, without the favor of God, there is no peace. 
just a temporary absence of conflict, a fragile truce between combatants, a pause to reload anger and ammunition for the next round. It says, Jesus, there won't be, there can't be peace on earth or peace in a heart until you, the Prince of Peace, reign there. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.